This is Train to Perform, the undisputed alpha podcast in training, fitness, and sports performance. Here, you'll develop your skills with the cold, hard facts in fitness, sports performance, recovery, and nutrition. Real, tried and true, evidence-based facts that have been proven to move you faster, move you stronger, and move you forward. Now, here's your host of Train to Perform, Julian Sisman. Hello, and welcome back to the Train to Perform podcast. Today on our podcast, we have Andrew Langford. He is a strength conditioning coach, high-performance consultant. Um, he is a part of the IUSCA, which is the International University Strength Conditioning Association. Um, they are a group that does um, sort of evaluations of strength and conditioning programs at universities. Um, they also do evaluations of programs of the athletic you know, performance programs at different universities. Um, they have partnerships with different universities in the United States, um, different universities in Australia, Britain, and um, we, you know, talk about, you know, the strength and conditioning field, um, but we also talk about, you know, different topics on, you know, how uh, important strength and conditioning is for athletics, um, for um, youth development, um, and, and try to touch bases on different things. Um, and then we kind of touch base on different things in, with soccer. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, please, again, um, if you, when you finish, please rate and review and, uh, hope you guys have a good day. Yes. Good. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, trying to, trying to adapt to these weird circumstances we have at the moment. Um, but I think everyone's the same. It's, we kind of, I, I guess you'll be similar over there, but they just seem to keep changing what the restrictions are, what you can and can't do. And, um, yeah, it just makes everything difficult really to plan. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> like, what are you able to do at this point? Um, I mean, a lot uh, for us over here. Um, and where are, where are you located again? So I know I'm you're in, in UK, but like, what? what yeah. So, so I'm in Leeds, which is okay. um, uh, you know, 200 miles north of London. Uh, a pretty big city over here. Um, the restrictions are that elite sports people can still train, compete, um, and things like that. So it, it kind of depends who you work with. If you work in a regular gym, they're all shut down at the moment, totally shut down. Um, if you work for an elite professional team who has their own facility, then that can all be open and going ahead as usual. You just have to go through all the protocols of testing, taking temperatures, um, you know, the COVID tests and everything like that. So it really depends on, you know, where what you work in or what you do. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy because, like, over here, um, it's really – they do it like based on capacity. So it's like, you can only have so many people in there at one time. Um, and then basically for like a restaurant, it's totally no eating inside. So it's all takeout. Um, but I mean, really that's, it's kind of like really the biggest restrictions. And then of course, like 
literally you have to wear a mask everywhere, like even oh, yeah. outside. Um, yeah. So, which is fine. I mean, we've been doing this now for almost a year, so. <laughs> yeah, you kind of get used <laughs> to it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the the tough thing here is they closed all non-essential shops again. Oh, and, wow. And restaurants. Like, you can get takeaway, so you can... Some some will stay open and you can you can buy food, but you you can't have it even outside. You have to take it home or get a delivery. Um, and yeah, all non-essential shops. So anything that's like not a grocery store or hardware store have all had to close again. And that's going to be right through till the middle of February, at least they're saying. Wow. Which, which is a long time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, so one, my question for you, uh, first question is, how did you find, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you found out about me through the, because I did a podcast with Boyle. Um, so is that right or am I wrong? Yeah, I think um, through um, Twitter, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw that, um, you know, you're doing doing some good podcasts out there. Um, so which we're obviously trying to, you know, look for these opportunities to, um, you know, discuss what we're doing as well and, and things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, kind of fill me in on what you guys are doing. I know you're in the, obviously in UK, it's a little bit different than uh, the setup we have here. Um, I know in UK, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there are two, I'm assuming now with you, maybe, there, are there like two sort of like strength conditioning associations um, or is it just yours and that's it? So there's always been, or oh, certainly for a long time, there's been the, the UK SCA. Yeah, okay. Um, which which I guess would be kind of the NSCA equivalent. Um, again, that's um, a non-profit organization um, similar to us. Um, and, you know, they've, they've done a really good job. They've had the, our standard accreditation over in the UK. Um, and they've got a lot of resources and, and done a lot of support in, in areas like that. Um, obviously, you, you know, with what, what we've brought out, we're, we're looking mostly within the university sector. Or certainly that's where our focus is, although some of it, as you'd expect, would extend down to other areas. Um, and obviously on that international scope, really, even though we're, we're registered in the UK, um, probably probably more of our partners are actually based over in the USA. Um, probably the largest proportion of our, our base is over in the USA. And then we've got the, a number of partners over in Australia as well. So the, the editor-in-chief of our journal is uh, from over in Australia. Um, so we've really got that worldwide presence. Um, within kind of the you know the education sector, particularly universities. Okay, awesome. So, um, with with your uh, you know association, like, what is your uh, what are you guys trying to like uh, like basically do? Like, what's your goal? Sure. You know, what are you um, like? How would you sort of be different than what the UK is? I mean, I know yeah. it sounds like you're very into the university sector. What are you doing? Yeah, with- I mean. We originally we originally started just as um, when when we started informally it was just a group of coaches um, in in universities because uh, we recognised there was limited support available really um, you know there wasn't really any sharing of best practice wasn't much collaboration going on uh, levels of pay were it was poorly understood at different universities so we had that kind of group of coaches trying to look at solutions to that 
Um, what we found was at that time, a lot of universities in the UK were starting to do degrees in strength and conditioning uh, and master's degrees in strength and conditioning, whereas before it had been uh, degrees in uh, you know, exercise science or things like that. So it was becoming more specialized with those degrees. And it was a similar circumstance there where there was no real guidance over what those degrees should be, um, how much practical elements they should include, what they're working towards and things like that. So a lot of the academics from those programs are interested in how they could get together again, share best practice, collaborate, look towards some standards and guidelines within that area. Um, and then through links that, w that we had, I'm in America myself, so I had some contacts over there. And uh, a lot of those contacts were really keen on getting involved as well. Um, because even though there are the NSCA and other organizations over in America, it's kind of w within that university sector, there's elements that are that are similar in terms of those collaborations haven't haven't been as good as they'd like them to be. So they were keen to be involved. Um, and then a final area which tied it all in was the access to research and opportunities to publish. Um, so you know within S and C, you only really get opportunities to publish if you work at a university. Uh, costs to publication are pretty high. Um, those researchers usually, obviously, due to the nature of their job, are lab-based jobs. So you don't really get coaches and practitioners contributing to that. Um, so we wanted to look at how we could deliver a solution that would help. What we, what we kind of had was bridging the gap between researchers and um, coaches. Um, so we came up with our, our journal that basically anyone can publish for free and you can read it for free. Um, which should really open up all of that network. Um, so, so that was kind of how we started and, and what we got going. Um, so it's kind of brings us to where we are now, where some of our key focuses at the moment are uh, the degree accreditation program, which is largely based at universities in the UK, which, as I said, are offering these degrees and master's degrees in strength and conditioning. Although we've had, we've got a few in Australia going through that as well. We've got a department external evaluation program, um, majority of which is, will be targeted over in the US. So we've had a number of Division One universities go through the process already. It's a little bit like an audit, but an independent audit coming in to look at the department, um, you know, tell you what we think you're doing really well, give you a few ideas for what we think you could improve on from that independent viewpoint. Um, and again, sharing those areas of best practice. And then obviously the journal, which we've just um, renamed the journal. Actually, we've been approved the title of International Journal of Strength and Conditioning, um, which I'll say is 100% free resource. So they're, they're kind of our key areas that we're focusing on at the moment. So it sounds like a lot of, uh, like instead of just getting lab research, you're, you're, you're able to like put it out to, you know, people like me or somebody else. So it's like easily practical. Is that, is that's that definitely one sense? of the aims. That's definitely one of the aims. I think that's something that we consistently see within mm -hmm. a field like strength and conditioning where it is an applied science, which is always a challenge because, you know, your principles of science and your lab-based activities are very reductionistic. Yes. Focused yes. on a particular area within the yeah. lab, very controlled. But then, as you'll know, as a coach or... When, you, when you're in the field, it, that's not what happens at all. It's chaos. And, 
you know, you're looking at many different scenarios, different things are happening, all different types of people. Um, so it's quite challenging to, you know, figure out what applies and how to apply it. And, and it often gets lost in translation. So I think that's a big part of what we're interested in, particularly through the scope of universities, is how we can better bridge that gap. Um, and, you know, all of, the, all of the things that we're doing hopefully should help work towards that. Yeah. Yeah, it's always... Um it's always interesting. Like right now I'm doing like my PhD and, uh, you know, you just like read all this research and you try to, you take it and dissect it so that you can somewhat apply it or figure out like, okay, what, what are, what are they you know, trying to do here? Um, but then like you said, like, you know, I work in a gym, it's a private gym. Um, I work with majority soccer players because like, that's kind of where I, what I played when I was growing up and, you know, it's not, uh, it's not one of those things where like, you know, you're, you're not really under constraints. So you kind of can do whatever you want, but like you're trying to apply like some of these concepts. So, you know, within like an hour or whatever time frame you have. Um, and so, um, you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little bit different than in a lab where you're just like, all right, we're going to like, focus on you know one one particular type of energy system or one particular type of strength and we're going to do this over time or whatever um so yeah i mean i think that's i I think that's a great um that's something great like honestly i'm going to be honest like i've never heard of your organization until you messaged me on twitter um which is a good thing because now that like because I like to read research mm. um, and you and somewhat and, and figure out a way to use it. Like, I don't just like read it and like, all right, cool. This is cool. Like, like I want to apply it like immediately. Sure. Um, and um, so, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're a pretty, pretty new organization really okay. um, with, with how we've been functioning at present. Like I say, informally, we've we kind of been doing bits and pieces for a few years, but it's kind of the last 12 months that we've really, um, managed to solidify our partnerships and, and get everything going fully. And then the journal has, has only been, really been going since um, kind of March, April last year. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty new. And the, the new name of the journal is only launched since the 1st of January this year. So yeah, we're, we're obviously, you know, emerging in, in that regard, but um, we've already got a, a number of good partnerships that we're, that we're kind of working on. So I, th- I think, I think, like you say, we hopefully we can look at a lot of those challenges and issues, and and I think universities do play the key role in that, mm-hmm. particularly with, like I say, with degree programs in the UK now, where and 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 the USA will be be similar as well. They'll start going down that more specialised route. I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, we've got over 20 degree programs in strength and conditioning now in the UK. Over 20 master's degree programs. So. Uh, let me interrupt you real quick. So is that a totally different than exercise science or have they just basically switched <laughs> from exercise science to strength and conditioning? Yeah, I mean, there's some switch there. I mean, there's, there's still sport and exercise science is, is the big subject in, in the UK. Um, but I think that was a really, really popular program. And I think people were, were going into those degrees and when when they were graduating the competition for jobs was so high and the, the level of learning probably wasn't specialized enough 
So I, I think universities saw the opportunity to start specializing much more at an earlier age. So it was, so rather than where you'd specialize maybe a little bit later, traditionally at your master's degree level or PhD or going on to do further study, they kind of thought, well, we can offer degrees because there's enough people to do it. Um, and because I guess because degrees function as businesses, they don't always care as much as they should about the outcome. <laughs> so they're just willing to put the degrees programs out there if they've got people who will apply for them without thinking, well, are there jobs for them or are we necessarily creating a great strength and conditioning coach um, yeah. and things like that. So, you know, we've, we've got a lot of, a lot of programs in strength and conditioning now, a lot of degrees in strength and conditioning. And like I say, it's a little bit hit and miss as to what the outcome of those would be. Um, for me, and, and it's, it's not necessarily down to the course leaders or anything else. It's due to constraints of the course and the universities, but there's very limited practical experience or quality practical application, which, as you'll know, and, and as you're saying, you know, you can learn as much as you want out of a textbook, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to coach or be, you know, valuable as a coach without having that experience. So, um, you know, there are a lot of areas that we're trying to address. In so, so for ours, for for, do, for for programs to be degree accredited accredited with us, they need to ensure that everyone has at least 750 hours of practical experience. Um, so is that like an internship? It could be. It could be through internship. So with that, the universities are free to fill those hours however they want. Um, so that could be partly on the course where they're you know, doing, doing things in the gym and, and undergoing that work. It could be through internships. It could be through work placements. It could be through employed work. Um, but yeah, we, we, we're trying to designate that minimum level of, ex, of experience that we, we, we need them to have before we're going to say that they have a level that we could say is accredited, um, which I think is really important. It's something that's not been there in our profession before. Um, so it, it's something that we hope will will make a little bit of a difference there. No, I agree with you on that, especially with the, um, the, uh, like actually working like, uh, you know, it's a little bit different here. Um, I don't know. You might correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the way you can just kind of get a certification here and you can work like really that's as simple as that. Um, you don't even, you don't even need a degree. Um, which is to me is a little, I don't know. I mean, I, Yes, it's it's okay because um, you you know you submerge yourself in the work and you have to really figure it out without like learning really anything about the body, which to me I don't think is good. Mm. Um, I think I think personally, if if I were to like say, hey, like I mean, not a law, but like some type some type of like you know policy, uh, I think if you're gonna work with somebody especially like training, like personal training, some type of sports performance. Like I personally think a policy should be that you have to get some sort of degree to understand just like what you're like, you're doing with the body and not just yeah. like burn somebody out. Because I think a lot of people, um, you know, look at personal trainers, look at sports performance coaches, you know, whatever you call them, um, you know, in the wrong way, because, you know, many get a bad rap because they just like 
kill people every time instead of slowly like understanding like how the how how the body works how how adaptions work how you know you can't just like go hard every three four days a week and mm-hmm. things like that yeah i think i think that is really important and i think you see it in other professions and other sectors so in in the uk for instance physiotherapists um similar to you know athletic trainer over in america um you kind of have to have had that experience and that it's a very tightly regulated body and sector to to call yourself a physiotherapist and you have to have done the degree and the practical experience similar within any area of medicine obviously um similar within areas of psychology um Mm -hmm. and to be a therapist and things like that um yet it's never really been there within the exercise profession um and it's probably going to be it's probably never going to happen that it's going to be a fully regulated um, body just because of how how it is until now. But I think certainly there are aspects of it that we do want to push, like you're saying. And I think, especially with the emergence of all these, on, like you're saying, online courses, and you can just, you know, go and do a week-long online course and say that you're a qualified personal trainer or something. It's, it's kind of a bit garbage, really. Um, so I think... You know, for us as a profession where we're wanting to have quality output, I think we need to be having people who have degrees plus practical experience and, and be working at that level that, you know, that, that makes a real impact. Yeah, because I mean, uh, NSCA uh, here in, I think, 2030, something like that, I think in order to get, I'm not sure about the, the certified personal trainer, but I know for a fact that the CSCS, the Strength Conditioning uh, Certification, it's going to be mandatory that you have a degree in uh, something related to, you know, exercise science, human movement, whatever. So I think that's that's a good first step for them because currently, I mean, you know, Joe Blow can, you know, get a psych degree and still get a CSCS if he reads the book, you know, like that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, it's not to say that some of those people couldn't be good coaches, because I think yeah. I think potentially you could if you did all the research and did your own work and really studied it and committed yourself to it. But, you know, th- that happening is probably few and far between. Um, yeah. So it probably is a good step to have that requirement, I think. Um, yeah. And, that, and I mean, certainly, certainly something we're, we're trying to do here with you know, our degree accreditation. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 you know, and that's another thing, like in, in the U S like the turnover on trainers is like crazy. Uh, it's, you know, uh, I think, I think like a trainer, the average trainer lasts like two years maybe. And then, you know, if you make it beyond that, you're, you're probably going to be doing, you're probably doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're probably very invested You're you know, so, um, yeah, it's, so, it's what we've seen yeah. with when we've when we've worked with some of our partners over in the US, because um, mm-hmm. obviously you've got the S and C coaches working at in university sport, and yeah. you know it, there's common themes within that that they often the management of those departments isn't as good as it should be purely because the management don't understand the department and the profession, um, and it's. It's led to, you know, situations where sometimes the departments aren't functioning as well as they could or the, 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 the staff that they've hired 
aren't really competent as, as they should be within that area. And you've had some bad situations of injuries and athlete deaths and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got certain images of the profession where, it, you know, people don't really understand what an SNC coach does in that environment. Um, you know, there's often people complain about how much they get paid. They're not paid yeah, well enough for thing. the for the level of quality that's there. Um, and it all comes down to this kind of understanding of, of what the profession is. And that needs to be, that message needs to be sold to the other stakeholders, you know, the management, higher up levels of the university. Um, and, it, it, you know, there's a lot that goes into that, like we're talking about certification, having qualifications, but also how we how we can demonstrate ourselves as professionals. And, and that's one of the main purposes of the external evaluation that we're doing. Um, to have that level of kind of audit from an independent viewpoint, um, which can help ensure those standards and work towards those levels of best practice, which in turn hopefully should, you know, certainly to management and other areas, demonstrate the the work that is going on and the yeah. that is there. Um, and, you know, maybe that will help again in terms of how much people get paid, job security, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, man. And, and, and I've, you know, I went to a uh, uh, Ohio State, so you know, big university here. I uh, played soccer there, so you know, me looking back on, you know, my experience with my strength coach, you know, yeah, they they put us through workouts, but it was more than the workout that you know gets you to where you, you know, and that, and I don't think a lot of people understand that it's not just like, oh, he's a strength coach. You know, he's all he does all day is like write programs. That's it. I think it's more than that. And that's the same thing with me when I'm running my own business. You know, we're, we're, you know, you know, we do more than we, we, we focus on like each individual, like how they are, like Mm. try to groom each person. It's not just like, you know, oh, the team, you know, we're going to put them through a workout and then send them on their way. You know, we got to, you know, maybe somebody has an issue. We typically, the strength they go to the strength coach because they they're able to have that you know communication with them. So there's a lot of psychological things that mm. we deal with that I don't think a lot of you know higher stakeholders really understand because yep. you know they're they're not you know in the gym watching what's going on. Yeah, I, I think it's hard as well for for like strength and conditioning, personal training, things like that. Um, because like, like you say, especially if we're wanting to be science based in what we're doing, Mm -hmm. because if, if you kind of, if you, if you've been taught in the scientific method and and scientific principles, then you're kind of taught to be a little bit skeptical and you kind of downplay things a little bit and you want to just, you know, kind of analyze the data and and be a bit quiet. You're not really shouting about what you do and overemphasizing and saying, this is the best thing ever. This is going to change the world and we're really good and we deserve all this. It kind of doesn't go well with that kind of scientific education side of it. So, (laughs) which, which is a little bit different to some areas of business or certainly corporate messaging and things, which are very much kind of almost tricking people in a way because they're playing on that psychology of saying, you know, that messaging of 
what we're doing well and all that kind of stuff is that's kind of not what we typically focus on within our profession and perhaps we get let ourselves down a little bit with that or you know how we how we message that to to mm-hmm. other people yeah no no i agree with you and then, and that's and that's a it's something that um you know like i said like i think it's something that like uh, it, it, it needs to be we need to be able to voice that because if we don't voice that you know we're just, it's going to be the same we're not, mm-hmm. nothing's really going to change and you talking about the pay it's literally this that that conversation pops up in one of these like NSCA groups i mean at least once a month yeah you know a, a job a just a job will be open at like a big university and it's like you know 25 30k and they're like what what like how does somebody live off of that you know like <laughs> yeah. especially here in the US and yeah. especially if it's you know in a you know, a city like DC or LA or, you know, Cal, like those big cities where, you know, it's expensive to live. It's not, it's not cheap. And, uh, you know, and I personally think, and, and that's why like somebody mentioned in one, one time that like a lot of the strength coaches in the universities, you know, spend their time there and, you know, make their name and do what they got to do. But then they just book it and just go into the private sector where they know like they're going to get more money because, you know, what they did at a university is, you know, they can sort of message that to everybody out there. Yeah. I mean, the level, the levels of pay thing is, is something that's so difficult to change, mm-hmm. um, particularly because it, you know, because there's a lot of factors involved. Um, one thing is that it's a desirable profession. And, and, you know, generally in any desirable profession, the level of competition for jobs is high. So that means people are willing to do jobs for, for lower and lower money. And, and, you know, you do see that in other professions as well. And that's, that's a difficult one to get over. One of the other things is emphasizing the quality, which I think we can definitely do better through, you know, letting people know better what we do, selling ourselves better as, as coaches and as staff and things like that. And we can definitely do that better. Um, holding ourselves to a higher level of account, we can obviously do better um, through things like the external evaluation we're doing, things like accreditations and making sure that we have experience and then things like that. So there are things we can do. And I think one other thing, one thing that we're, we're also trying to do at the moment, which we're starting with universities in the UK, is remuneration guidelines. So, you know, guideline salaries. Um, we we kind of starting with universities in the UK on that because universities in the UK are all supposed to grade jobs no matter what the job is based on your the skills of the job. So you, you know when they when they write a, a job profile they should detail what level of education is required, what level of skills required to do certain aspects, what level of management, what level of leadership. And then no matter what the job is, it's graded on that scale. And typically what's happened is because they kind of know they can get away with it, S&C coaches have been graded a lot, lot lower than the job actually is. So it's not paid according to what it should be. and And that actually is going against what university policies are supposed to be. So we're we're working on a document at the moment to grade, get those jobs graded properly at, at levels that they should actually be graded at, which will obviously help 
give those guidelines for SNC coaches at universities in the UK. Um, where it's like within the professional sectors, I, I think that's harder to change because, like I say, with market value, yeah, teams can choose to pay what they want. But I think if universities take that first step in doing that, they can almost be a driving force where other sectors would look in and probably copy them then. So yeah. they can be kind of um, a, a driving force for that. And, you know, maybe on the back of that work, then we can look at universities over in America, other parts of the world and other things like that. Do, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sh- I, I, I have no idea, but are the, when you're playing, when, you co- when you're training at the, or like a strength coach at a professional level, is the salary like like really low? I, I have no idea. It, it varies massively. It really oh, does really? vary massively. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so it's massively by sport or team. Uh, yeah, everything. So really, you know, some 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 head S and C coaches at big Division One universities will be, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. You talking about here or in UK? Yeah, over in over in the US. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and then as you'll know, some assistant coach salaries are absolutely terrible. Um, in the yeah. UK, at universities, they're kind of, you know, as a as an SNC coach, you're generally probably looking at forty thousand dollars a year. Uh, if you're a, if you're a lead SNC or a head SNC at a good university. Then that might be fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year, um, but then some universities will be much much lower. Um, so the so the spread of salaries is is much different. If you're working at a professional team, it's more like what the what the salaries would be like over in America. So if you're working for a big Premier League soccer team, um, and you're the head of director of performance or whatever, you could you know you could be earning over a hundred thousand, no problem. 200,000 um, where some of the assistant coach jobs or academy jobs are probably you know 25 30,000 so you know you, you see that big spread yeah yeah it's crazy it's crazy how that works <laughs> um, so uh, what what um, organizations have you partnered with here like are, is it mostly universities or is it uh, like actual businesses? That you're working with like what is the yeah i mean mostly universities we, we're working on a few obviously commercial partnerships and things like that so um sam probiotics a probiotic company is is coming as one of our sponsors and we, we've got a few commercial partnerships that we're developing um but yeah the, the main work that we're doing uh, is with universities over in this in, in america um i think we've got close to 50 50 universities now that we're working with and some some of the big ones like Clemson, Georgetown, oh, yeah. UCLA, UNC. Um, so there's a number of number of pretty good universities that we're trying to develop things with like our external evaluation program. Um, we, we, we're doing like internships and summer placements and, and things like that, um, sharing the best practice. So, so quite a lot of projects going on. So give me, give me like an example of, you know, what, what you're doing for like Clemson or Georgetown. Like, are you particularly focusing on their SNC or exercise science undergraduate program? Or are you, are you mostly working with the sports 
side of it, like the athletes yeah, so, and the yeah, so like that. So or is with, it a combination? Well, with with those universities, um, the, you mentioned the the ones mostly in America. It's it's mostly the performance departments. Okay. So the S and C departments, although we are offering the external evaluation out to the wider athletic department. And, and it would actually function best as a review and kind of an independent audit of the whole department uh, because a lot of what we're looking at is how the department collaborates and interacts with different departments because that's a big part of how it functions. Um, but yeah, the basic process is is that um, we, we get the department to fill out uh, all the details of going right through health and safety, how they recruit staff, how they manage staff, how they develop staff, um, how they review those staff, how they develop athletes, strength programs, power programs, speed, how they review and monitor those athletes, um, what facilities they have. We literally audit the whole thing. Um, we then carry out a site visit uh, where there's a member from the IUSCA and also another independent member from another peer university so so another university perhaps of a similar size or a similar scale someone from that staff we bring in as a consultant to help take part in that independent audit and then what we do is we meet with the staff we provide them feedback like i say on what we think they do really well areas we think that they could improve or ideas of best practice that that we think they could tweak um, and we kind of looking in that way from the independent viewpoint and then we provide them with a report um that that would that's really great to give to you know the athletics director or higher up management which really will demonstrate in an independent way what that department does how it functions what recommendations we have because we'll often put in that they probably are understaffed or if we think that they should be valued more or should be paid more or should have better equipment. And we can do that from an independent viewpoint where it's not just someone within that department saying, you know, we want more money or we want more equipment or we want more of this. It's, you know, that independent view coming in and looking at it from, the, from that viewpoint and, and saying what from that independent level would be best practice. Awesome. I like that. So it's kind of like, um, so it's kind of like a, you know, just kind of a review or some feedback on, you know, the athletic performance slash, uh, you know, uh, athletics uh, side of things and seeing like what, if what they're doing is legitimate and like makes sense and for progress, like, you know, going forward, if they need any tips or whatever. Um, I think that's great, man. I mean, probably that's probably never done before not within not within strength and conditioning definitely no. which is which is why we wanted to bring it in because i think it'll help work on a lot of the factors we've talked about in terms of you know professionalizing the profession you know giving a good view of what we actually do helping spread that message to other stakeholders um so it is something that's important, but it is something that is done within other sectors. So it's something that's done a lot within, oh, yeah, yeah. within things like healthcare, medicine. Yeah. You know, they're they're massive on things like that, huge on it. Um, and, and it's all part of what, what you know, makes it a professional uh, industry, really. No, 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 I, I, I like that. I mean, I think that's a good thing because 
like you said, it, it happens in every other sector. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's always some independent review, um, which is, um, you know, important because, you know, you and I know, like when you're in it, when you're like in it, you don't really like sit. I mean, you might have a review every once in a while, of, like what you're doing, maybe you get input from like your employees, but there's always like, it's always good to get that outside point of view because it allows you like me personally or you personally to grow and to work on things that you might need. You might be weak at or work on things that like, you know, you're really strong at and get better at those things. Um, and then it might be good for university because then you never know, like, are they utilizing something that's worthless and they don't spend money on that? Mm. And so they allocate that money to something else. Um, cause I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm sure there's universities here that alloc- allocate money in places that they don't need to because it's yeah. not, it's not necessary. Yeah. And I think it's vital for, for universities really when, when, you know, they, they put so much investment and there, there's so much at stake when you're talking about the health and well being of their student athletes, mm-hmm. you know, you, like I say, you've had cases unfortunately in the past where people have died or mm-hmm. really bad injuries or, or you know lots of different scenarios and universities ultimately are responsible for that um, so you know and, and with how much investment they put into sport and scholarships and uh, facilities and things like that you know they, they should really want to ensure that their departments are running as as well as possible, you know, for that investment they're making, but also for that health and well-being of the student athletes. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right. I mean, I mean, here's one example um, that that uh, that definitely has changed. Is uh, I mean, I, gra- I I was at Ohio State in like 2008, and uh, I think it was like a year or two later that um, a pretty well-known basketball player was you know, using social media to kind of like say his message of like, I, I sometimes go to bed, go to bed with no food. And I mean, well-known athlete plays in the NBA. Um, and then it was like immediate that N- the universities and NCAA like started to really invest in nutrition, mm. which is like, like that's a no brainer, you know, um, you know, fueling, is to me like one of the like obviously strength and conditioning is great the workouts whatever but fueling you know recovering all that kind of stuff it's like that, that's when you're getting better it's not when yeah. you're doing the stuff and um so you know it was like an immediate change like overnight they were like all right we're gonna put out more food we're gonna do this we're gonna have fueling stations and then you know five four or five years later it's like every university is providing like yeah you know you know, uh, they're very big on sports nutritionists, um, you know, fueling in the gym, like right immediately after, like they have all this stuff ready for you. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's great. I think that's an awesome thing that you guys are doing. Um, I think it will be a huge benefit for not only universities, but I also think like it will trickle down into the private sector um, I think it will help out, you know, the pro professionals. I mean, I mean, we, we know that, uh, you know, at that pro level, um, especially in the U S 
maybe at the at the first team level, everything is pretty much taken care of. But if they're you know really really focused on investing money in their younger athletes that might you know make it to the first team, it's mm-hmm. not. I'll be honest with you, not every every uh, pro team is like what it is in Europe, where they got you know a head athletic uh, you know sports performance coach. Like believe me, not every. Even the one I'm in DC, the one that is here, they don't have that for their academy team, mm. which is sad. Uh, they and it's unfortunate because, like, you know, they this area where I live, the the quality of soccer is very high. Yeah, and the fact that you you know can invest in something like that for your you know basically future players is something that like needs to be changed. Um, so. It's important. I mean, I, I think uh, what you what you guys are doing is is going to be a game changer. Uh, obviously, it's going to take time for you know people to really you know understand it um, and buy in and things like that. But that's that's part of the process. So yeah, I, I think um, I think I think just like you say with um, the professional organizations, I think it would have a huge impact on those professional organizations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like you say, it'll perhaps be a bit of that trickle-down effect once, um, once you know, a number of universities have gone through it and see the benefits. Then I think professional organizations will be will be very keen to do something similar. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, um, it's it's huge, and uh, and I think I, I think a lot of. Um, the organizations don't do such a thing, especially at the sports level, because it's so like, it's like hit or miss, you know, with some of these players you might have a really good player, like developing and, you know, he might make it and he might not make it. So like, should we, you know, invest all that money? But it's like, you know, look at Arsenal, for instance, you know, uh, what's his name at Arsenal? Um, the guy with the U, he's in the academy level. Uh, I forget his name, uh, Desmond. Uh, he was here at the NSCA uh, national conference and he was talking about, you know, what they do, you know, how, how they, how much they invested in the arsenals. And I'm sure you've seen it, Uh, you know, and it's crazy. And you see like, I mean, I'm not saying like their first team is doing great, but I'm sure a lot of players are, you know, making it there or they're selling their players and, and it's helping them groom players. Yep. So it's not it's not a waste of money. It's 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 necessary, um, and uh, and it's and, and to be honest with you, it's like something I got to do on a daily basis to try to get parents, you know, that send their kids here, you know, why it's important for their kid, you know, even if they want to play college or even if they're still uh, playing, uh, you know, club soccer, you know, why is it important? You know, it's important because. You know, it's going to build confidence, not only confidence, like so many other things besides the, the performance side of things. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, uh, I would, I would, I would be all in for somebody to be come in here or something at, even at the, you know, private sector level and say, Hey, look, like, I think this is where you need to focus your things on. Boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And you'll have more success. Um, yep. So, so, I should ask you at this beginning, like, what's your background? Like, uh, how many people are in the organization? I know it's new. So, like, what are, like, your guys's, I guess, credentials? Sure, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, um, 
grew up in England, um, playing basketball, played kind of a high level junior basketball over in England, and then went over to uh, University in Oregon. Um, really? Where? Yeah, yeah did um, did my degree at uh, Linfield uh, okay. University, so I was there for four years. Um, studied biology and exercise science. Um, playing basketball you as play well. Basketball? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, and then is that D three um, or D two? Yeah, D three. Um, and then came back. Um, played professionally over in the UK for a year, and then uh, did a master's degree in sport and exercise physiology um, at, a, at a big sports university over in in, in the UK. Um, and then uh, worked in various various sectors. Worked with in professional rugby um, for a while. I feel uh, like worked, everybody everybody SNC always is in rugby in, in the UK. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good uh, it's, a good, it's a good entry point um, because they they take SNC pretty seriously. No, I know they as as you need to because it's such a physical sport. Yeah. Um, so it's a good, really good environment to learning. Um, so I definitely recommend getting involved in rugby if anyone gets the opportunities. Um, and then I worked with Great Britain Basketball uh, for a number of years. And then at, uh, I was the head of strength and conditioning at Sheffield Hallam University, uh, which again is a big sports university over in the UK, um, where we started making a lot of the contacts then that we, we've developed within the organization. Um, within the organization, um, got myself and another director, uh, Aidan Flanagan, who currently works with uh, Leicester City uh, Football. Um, and then we've got Stephen Bird, who's our editor-in-chief of the journal, who's over in, uh, a professor over in Australia. Um, and then all of our, you know, partners in the UK, like I say, we've got around 50 universities in the in the US that we're partnering with, a um, number of universities over in the UK, uh, some over in Australia, um so yeah just developing developing that organization really yeah it's awesome so the guy at leicester city he's the head director of performance he works with the uh women's program oh, okay women's side okay awesome do um so uh, you know what's what's the goal like you know kind of what's the goal for like this year like what's your where do you guys see it? Like, where do you want to expand to? Um, is it just, you know, right now, let's just focus on, you know, university. Let's get that, let's get that, uh, you know, set in stone, you know, get, get data from that and things like that. And then, you know, kind of branch out. Yeah, I think so. I think um, we really want to um, get these initiatives rolled out this year to, to a wider audience. Um, so the the degree accreditation, the external evaluations, and growing the journal, I think they're the the main keys for this year um, to kind of to reach as many departments and universities as we can with that uh, and help progress that part of the industry. Um, and then I think we'll you know we'll have a lot of other avenues kind of branching off from from that as as we go through with it really through this year. So with the journal, like. Um what's what's the focus there like are you is there a specific you know 
is there specific things that you guys are, you know, putting in the journal or is it like a broad range of topics? It, it's, it's pretty broad. I mean, the, the, you know, it's obviously strength and conditioning focus, um, but we, we, we do branch a little bit wider into, you know, exercise physiology and kinesiology and nutrition and things like that. Um, one of our, obviously, our original aims was to open it up to be that bridging the gap. So we did kind of a series of art- articles on that bridging the gap topic. Um, okay. And that's definitely one of the areas that we're keen to get more submissions. So from practitioners and coaches who can submit case studies and their kind of informed opinions, evidence ba- evidence-based experience, things like that, that typically don't get published in journals. Um, I think some of that's really important. So we're definitely pushing for that. But then all your traditional research as well, it's it's open and available for all of that. So are you are, are you looking for more like lab-based research or is it you trying to get more like, you know, practical where, you know, it's like a football team and somebody might be doing a, you know, a year long study on, you know, some football team or rugby or whatever on a specific topic. Um, yeah, yeah. All, all of that. We, all and above. Uh, we're, we're happy with all of that. Like I say, I think some of those case studies are, are, are really valuable because they're areas that are not currently widely published. Um, you know, like we said before, you know, you get a lot of lab based research on very minute areas of muscle function or something. Uh, and then you get very informal based mm-hmm. blog posts online written by coaches, but they're not really referenced. They're not really, a lot of times, not evidence-based. Um, so this does give that opportunity to have something in between that where an experienced coach can bring in their, what we call like informed opinion, back it up with some citations and research. So a little bit more of a formalized version of the, that kind of blog post. And I think, I think, I think, you know, they're really, they're, they're, they'd be great to include within the journal. Okay. So it's, it's a little, little less formal. I'm not saying it's like a, you know, not, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's like, informal or formal i mean i think maybe not as you can give it a little bit more like like a day-to-day type like thing for like a coach versus where it's where it's like you know rigorous like you know parameters that you're living in just kind of like yeah yeah okay there's um yeah i mean i think that's i think that's necessary because you got to understand that, you know, like you said in the beginning of you know, our conversation, it's, it's chaos. It's, mm. not, it's never anything where uh, it's always known. Like there's, there's a lot of unknown that goes on in, in training, in, you know, in a game, any game. Like you never know. Like I think it's – I think I – think re- I think re- to me personally, I think the best research is trying to get research from a game. Mm. get the research from the game, see how the player is, you know, depending on obviously on the topic. Um, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, well, kind of, 
Um, so maybe to sum it up a little bit, like, um, you know, what's, uh, you know, as, okay. And I always ask this at a lot of my podcasts. Um, it's like, you know, you, you're, you, you're in something right now that's, uh, you know, you're trying to broaden, uh, and help out, you know, um, you know, obviously universities and things like that. But if you were to, uh, you know, have a conversation with a strength coach that was up and coming, um, what's some, some suggestions, tips, um, that you want, you would give to them, um, or even if it's tips just in general on strength conditioning, like for an athlete, like what are some tips as a professional that you are that will help them, um, you know, you know, make it to a goal or as a strength coach, like make sure. it to wherever they want to be. I think I think for coaches, it's um, important to look at all the areas of development that they need. So, and we've 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 talked about them. Today, it's kind of getting that background experience, um, getting that understanding of science, so learning all of your physiology, anatomy, you know, really making sure you you understand all of those areas, but then making sure that you get as much practical experience as you can, um, training yourself, training your friends, taking work placement opportunities, reaching out to do internships. Um, you know, even if it's voluntary to begin with, just, just getting that experience, I think is really important. Um, and then as you progress to university, thinking about, you know, what, what degree you can do and what opportunities that will give you with further work placements, experience and opportunities. Um, and, and just making those contacts then, cause I think those contacts will, will help you as you then look for paid employment. And, and all of that. And I think just gain as much experience within different sports, different age groups, different levels of ability even can, can help you then because you, you learn how to apply different aspects of S&C then in any scenario. If you've experienced all of that, if you've been there with elite athletes, if you've been there with, you know, amateurs, if you've been there in terrible facilities, if you've been there in great facilities, you kind of get an understanding of what's going to work when and how to do it. Um, so be really willing to go through all of that. And you, you kind of need to go through all of that if you're wanting to be successful as an SNC coach. Yeah. Um, and and similar, similar to athletes, you know, for athletes, it's they, if, if you really want to be successful at the top level, you have to be willing to work on everything. You know, it's, it's, it's not just, you know, most people aren't going to be talented enough to just rely on their natural ability in a sport. They're going to have to spend extra hours developing different aspects to their game. They're going to have to spend hours in the gym getting stronger, more powerful, quicker, improving their endurance. They're going to have to work on the flexibility. They're going to have to think about their nutrition, they're going to have to think about their recovery and their sleep. You know, there's so much that goes into it if they wanted to get to the elite level. Um, you know, I think there's only a few lucky people who can perhaps rely on their talent. Um, but even then, the very best will go that step further if they wanted to be at, be at the best and focus on all the other things. So, you know, there's some similarities there between mm-hmm. 
yeah, trying, to, trying to reach goals. You know, a, a question just popped in my head. You know, you you have uh, been around a you know different levels of you know athletes, but also you know different levels of you know the SEC. You know, and you just obviously made kind of like a correlation between you know the the SEC and the athlete and like kind of getting uh, yourself into different you know as an athlete like different. Uh, understanding how to recover and like all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And then you have the S and C who's putting their, putting themselves into different scenarios to learn, you know, as you, uh, as an S and C, like, you know, what, what do you think has helped you the most? And then, you know, what has, you know, from that, like, how can you say, you know, and, and being around different athletes, like how, how have you been able to help those athletes, um, just cause you learn something from somewhere else. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think for me, it's the, the different experience that I've had at, at different places. Um, they're the, they're the big game changers for me. Um, you know, doing those voluntary work placements and internships at, at professional rugby clubs with, with good coaches, uh, taking those opportunities. I think, like I say, that's really where you learn how to apply the things that you've you've been taught, um, and there's you know it's very difficult to do it otherwise. So getting that exposure to all of those different athletes is is definitely the most important thing for me. So I figured, yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge. I think that that has helped me too. I mean, I've you know I've exposed myself to you know private gyms, bigger gyms, you know, being around different athletes, training different types of people. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think one thing that I wish I, and I continue to, you know, hopefully here in the future, uh, expose myself to that, you know, uh, pro level. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, uh, obviously, you know, only a certain percentage make it. Um, and so you kind of like, you know, you think like, you know, what's the difference? You know, is it, is it a lot, is it a lot in here in your brain and your mindset? Or is it like these people are, you know, built differently, like, you know, than others. Mm. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting to just see like the difference, uh, um, you know, how do I want to describe it? Different, like, you know, who makes it, who doesn't like mm. why? Like I always figure out, like, you know, you see some sick players not make it. You you always wonder like, okay, what's uh, a physiologically or is um, is it, or is it just giving up? Yeah. I I think a a lot of it is that work ethic thing. I think, you know, when you look at elite sport, there's, there's a few, well, I mean, everyone's a high level physically at, at elite sport, but there's, there's a very small minority who are, who we call like the freaks, who are super gifted, who perhaps even if they didn't train that much, they're still going to be pros. They're, they're pretty good. Then you get a, a few of those again who have that ability and they work hard. And they're the, like the greatest of all times, the Michael Jordans, the LeBron James, the, you, you know, Ronaldo, um, those type of athletes who are super naturally gifted and they do the hard work. And then you get some athletes who are still better than average physically, but they're not amazing. But they do the hard work. They work hard as anything. 
put in that effort, find a way to do it. So you get all of the, that kind of spectrum of those different type of athletes. Um, but I'd say for, for 99.9999% of people, focus on the <laughs> improving your skills and the hard work and doing everything because, you, you know, <laughs> you're probably not going to be one of those freak athletes, to be honest. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. So true. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like, and that's a thing, like, uh, I hate to, I hate to, I hate to downplay the American society, but the, the, the work ethic that I see some kids and then they complain about why they never don't make it. Uh, it's kind of right in front of them, you know, it's like, Mm. you're only doing, you know, this much, Mm. but you know, the kids that are, that are, you know, you know, making it are, are doing it every day, you know? And I think that's the, I think that's the biggest problem in this country. I I mean, I hate to say it, um, is, uh, the kids here, they don't, um, they only go to training or only go to things when it's set up versus, you know, outside this country. I mean, I'm a, I'm a half Turkish, so I've seen other world, and a totally different world when you know kids are playing in the middle of the street like it, it's like they don't care you know we want to play um or they're doing extra work or so you you see a small percentage of those type of kids here um especially working on your skills and you know getting better at the sport um i mean obviously the strength and conditioning side of things is kind of you have to do it you know, when it's set up, you want to make sure that you're doing everything correctly. It's a very like, you know, um, you know, technique form, all that stuff is done right. Cause you, you don't want to get injured versus mm-hmm. just like, you know, playing your sport. You can kind of like go outside and shoot hoops for hours yep. or go outside and mess around with the ball for hours. Like it's yep. not, there's no, there's not much that needs to be looked at. Yeah. You, you do see that sometimes you get a few, a few athletes who, you almost have to pull back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the few who have really great work ethics, mm-hmm. um, who who want to train all the time, mm-hmm. which is sometimes great for their sport, like you're saying, if mm-hmm. it's a skill that they're trying to perfect mm-hmm. and you need to just do repetition, 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 but then they maybe bring that same work ethic into other areas, like the fitness or the strength, and then you have to kind of pull them back a little bit and <laughs> explain yeah. to them that they need the rest and the recovery. Yeah. Uh, so that that's like the other side of the coin, which you, yeah. you occasionally get as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's that's it's true, um, and it's and it's necessary for those kids because there's those there are kids that just like there's no there's no like throttle. It's just like 100 percent all the time. Like I'm not, I'm going to be the best. Yeah. Um, and then and more more times than not those kids typically get injured more which is it should be like a like a like wake up call to them if they're constantly injured mm. um so well andrew how can people get more information about the iusca um and you know get to access to the journal and just keep learning a little bit more about your your association and maybe if they want to connect with you and um, figure out, you know, kind of have a conversation with you about what you guys are doing and maybe help them out. 
Sure. I mean, the best way is um, through the website. So okay. uh, Um That's got all the information on, all the links, uh, links to the journal, everything else. We're also through all social media channels. If you if you search IUSCA, you'll you'll come across us. Um, you can sign up for the website free, and you'll be sent out content and the journal again, 100% free to submit, free to publish, free to read. Um, obviously, if they're involved in any degree programs or university programs and they're interested in the work we can do, can get in contact directly. So, yeah, I look forward to, to hearing from people. One, one last question. So, they can submit, like, so if they submit, like, is it almost guaranteed that it's going to be in the journal or do you guys like just don't like you guys, there's like a process? Yeah. So the, everything that's submitted would undergo a quick review by one of our editors. Okay. If it's garbage, okay. then it's just going to get rejected straight away. If it's of good quality, it doesn't have to be exceptional, but if it's of good quality, and they've, you know, followed the guidelines and reference things, then it will go up in what we call community review. Okay. So that will, it's like a pre-publication. It's, it goes up online um, in this community review stage where then anyone in the community can take part in the peer review process over a month-long period. Um, at the end of that period, then they can choose to make adjustments or changes. Um, it will undergo traditional peer review like you'd normally get in a journal um, by an editor and then it would have the final decision of whether it gets officially published or not okay so I mean it's kind of an easy it's kind of a good way for somebody that might uh, you know be new to publishing and getting their name out there yep it's awesome cool well man it was good to talk to you um you know, it's good to meet you um, and connect. Um, hopefully, we have another conversation. And um, hope you have a good rest of the day. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome, man. Thanks for listening to Train to Perform with Julian Sisman. Learn how you can work with Julian in a personal training session, either online or in person, at prepareforperformance.com. And follow on social media for more tips on training, fitness, and sports performance on Twitter at jsisman_pfp and Instagram at prepareforperformance.